I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to this bonus opposition-focused episode of the Watford Buzz podcast. Regular listeners to this podcast will know that we often try to chat to fans of Watford's next opponents. In this case, that's Manchester United in the FA Cup. So fair warning to United haters, if you uh, if you don't like this, please turn off now because it's not going to be for you. But everyone now stay tuned for what I'm sure is going to be an interesting insight into the perspective of Man United fans with more than a few tidbits for Watford fans too, because of course this is a Watford podcast. Joining me on the show today is Manchester United fan and golf pro Nicholas Pinnock and also Manchester United writer and one half of the Barclay and Barton podcast. It's Wayne Barton. Hello, guys. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, Gents, welcome to the show. I think perhaps we should start by having a quick assessment of United's season so far. Wayne, if you could fill in the Watford fans, some of whom have only been watching Championship football this season, what's going on in the Premier League and how Man United have been faring so far? Yeah, if you're going to look at the table, you're going to say, oh, United are definitely overachieving at the moment um, in second place. Um, it's very much a, a, a tale of the Premier League United um, in terms of the season so far. And by that, I mean that a month ago, Solskjaer um, was facing increasing pressure of, of being sites after being dumped out of the Champions League. And now everyone's talking about how we're in a title race. It's a, a very strange season indeed. Um, I would still think that our aim realistically is to consolidate the Champions League spaces. Um, the position that we, we got last season, which was third, and um, anything above that is obviously um, a great overachievement. In fact, I thought that we are in a battle to hold on to that consolidation um, considering the way that we um, had a, a terrible summer in terms of recruitment but um, we are where we are we're playing good football um, I think Solskjaer's doing a good job I think second's a bit of a false position but it is um, where we are at the moment and you know I'm, I'm obviously very happy about that Nick how about you how are you feeling uh, I agree really I think we're overachieving at the moment but you Got to be happy. First time we got chance to go top since Fergie left at this time in the, st- in the season. So yeah, it's all good, really. It's, ha- it's a good time to be a United fan for once. Yeah. Well, I was going to say you, you mentioned it a bit there, Wayne. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's a United legend and he's the manager at the minute, but he's a little bit hit and miss with the with the United fans. I mean, we've we've heard a lot uh, in the press about about he should go or he should stay. I mean, Nick, considering you know you're sitting second in the table at the minute with a game in hand on the leaders, Liverpool. Surely United fans should be pleased with that, no? Oh, definitely happy with how it's gone. He's changed the culture of the club and 
we're happy with how the performances are getting better. Bringing in Bruno Fernandes has been brilliant. Uh, he's done a lot of good things for me personally. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Wayne, but as a coach, I'm not sure if he's the one that's going to help us challenge for the title year after year. But you know, he's done a he's done a great job after what Jose Jose Mourinho did to the club. I would agree with that. Actually, I think I think that's right. I'm in full support of what Ollie's doing, and I think you know everyone can sort of track the the progress and how positive the work is. But yeah, I do share that reservation of if he is the man to take us to that next level. But there's no doubt in the work that he's done so far, and obviously supporting him to get the time to do that because he's earned it. Um, so. And yeah, it is a good time to be a United fan at the moment. The thing that I always said when, you know, it wasn't just Jose Mourinho's football, it was Paul Louis van Gaal's was dreadful as well. So you had sort of three and a half years of not enjoying watching United. And at the end of um, the the um, toxic era of Mourinho, um, the, well, the toxic last six months anyway, I remember saying I just wanted to enjoy watching United play again. And, you know, it's not always the case that we do, but certainly more often than not at the moment. And, um, yeah, a lot of good things about the club that I recognise as the things why I fell in love with the club in the first place are there again. And and long may that continue. Do you think he's in danger at all of tarnishing his, his legendary status or will that always remain? No, I, I, hmm. with some... But I, I don't want to get into this sort of big debate about like sort of new age fans and social media fans and everything and you know fan cams and everything like that. But there's certainly a more reactionary fan base, especially in the absence of a match going fan base at the moment. I think that's so significant over the last year that we haven't had that match going fan base which can vocally show the support for the manager. So everything's sort of played out on social media, and you have a lot of reactionary people, a lot of people now who. If let's say wherever they're based in the world, a lot of people are attached to a player or a manager, aren't they? They're not necessarily attached to a club. So you've got a lot of people who are attached to Jose Mourinho. Mm. Um, they yeah. he's got this little—I wouldn't say cult, but that's probably the right word for it. And I don't want that to sound negative because Mourinho does have a lot of a lot of qualities. He's a great manager, but. Um, a lot of people are divisive in that sort of fashion. So you have um, people who are critical of Solskjaer um, in that respect. And if he if he fails miserably, then yeah, of course he's in danger of um, damaging his legacy. But I would say to those of us, um, for those of us who've, who've supported the club for a very long time and we understand the difficulties under which he's operating, that being the ownership structure and the sort of... Um, difficulty in perception of you know realistic expectation and everything like that um i think that he's doing a, a great job and i think that my one concern matthew is when he, he took over was that he would damage his legacy because i mm. thought it was a, a job that no one could succeed in but he's far exceeded what i thought he could do and i, I couldn't say even if it ended horribly now certainly in my eyes he's definitely not had his um, legacy tarnished but the difference, that at least the main difference that I've seen since Solskjaer has come in, and I don't know if you agree with this, Nick, at all, but uh, it seems like Solskjaer is really trying to promote the youth a lot more than, than perhaps you would see under Mourinho and Van Gaal. Yeah, I think he, obviously being under Fergie himself, he saw how that worked and we had a lot of good young professionals coming through, always topped up with a good few signings every summer. And he seems to have done that, bringing in Fernandez, but, you know, using Greenwood, getting more out of Rashford, Martial, younger players. Um, people like James Garner and that are on loan at Watford who are going to be brought through, highly thought of. So I think he's done the right thing. He's done it the Man United way, which is why so many fans are behind him. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the way he's got to keep doing it. A lot of the time, and uh, and Wayne, you'll know this, of course, is that uh, clubs that are as big as Manchester United and and Chelsea is is a big one as well for this. That clubs will have these great youth talents on their books, but they'll get to such a point where they just can't make that transition into the into the first team, and they end up uh, just sort of going on on loan every single year, eventually finding their way in, into the Championship or something like that. But it feels different under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, perhaps. I think you're always going to... That, that part of the process, what you've just said, is always going to be a part of football. Funnily enough, I think United and Watford have probably got as strong a relationship as anyone in league football in terms of where the players have gone and how Watford have helped with United over the years. I can think of a fair few names that have done gone down that route, and some more successful than others. Mm. Um but yeah, I think it's all part of the process. Yes, United are giving more chances to younger players in a, in a more positive way than they did under Mourinho. I mean, Mourinho would pull out his dossier and there were some games where he did throw in a few youngsters, but it wasn't to help them sometimes. Um, it was like, I think the last game of a season, he did it, he put in about six or seven players and they weren't going anywhere. Do you know what I mean? And, and he yeah. got rid of them all straight after. Louis van Gaal bit more of a necessity you know there were a lot of people who came in through injury Marcus Rashford one of those um, came in through injury Tim Fosu Mensa so there are a few players like that but they were given chances and and you know they did well and they when they did well they got their chance to carry on in the side which you wouldn't necessarily say would have been the case under Mourinho now under Ole yeah you've seen that again with um, the likes of Greenwood um, and and there's a lot of good being done behind the scenes, the infrastructure there with Nicky Butt and, and the young players there. So there's a lot of reason to be excited for the young talent that's there. They went on this big um, recruitment drive pre-Brexit, you know, to make sure that they got as much talent as they could in through the door. And it's definitely exciting to see um, the attention that's been there because it was really neglected for two or three years. And, and by neglected, I say, obviously, it's always an important part of Manchester United, but you didn't see the clear pathway in the way that um, you are seeing under Ollie again. Um, so, yeah, it's all, it's all good there as well. OK. Well, let's turn our attention to the FA Cup now, as that's where Watford will be facing yourselves. It's a, a competition that both sides have fond memories of, but uh, I suppose United fans will undoubtedly, with the nicer memories, having won the thing 12 times. But most recently in 2016, it's a few years ago now, Wayne. Um, do you think that they can win it this season? And, and, and what's your opinion of the FA Cup in general? I love the FA Cup. I grew up in um, the 80s, so um, you know my big memories of watching the FA Cup finals last day of the season and a big celebration, and that was the one game guaranteed to be on television, even the 80s, do you know what I mean? So a big focus was put on that. Mm. Um, when I was young, FA Cup final day was all day, so it was like you know BBC going around the players asking them what they're having for breakfast and things like that. <laughs> so yeah, great memories of the FA Cup. Um, I, I love it um, because of the fact that it's a, a big... Um, occasion, it's a big day um, maybe it has lost its shine a little bit with the sort of meddling of the competition, I still can't get my head around the, the 5.15 kickoff on a final day, I just think it's nuts um, but yeah I, I still love it, it's one of my favourite um, things um, to be involved f- f- uh, for United to be involved in, absolutely and it's not one that I devalue at all. It's something that a competition I've got very fond memories of and something that I always want United to, to win in. Um, I used to say that about every game, but um, particularly the FA Cup because I've got such um, fond memories of it. Nick, do you think that it's, uh, it's, it's winnable this season for United? Yeah, I think we've got a big enough squad now to be able to compete on all fronts. 
Um, you know, we made the semi-finals last year, and Ollie's been talking about getting over that final hurdle into the final, and he'll want to do that in all competitions. We've obviously got City tonight in the Carabao Cup semi, so if we lose that, I think that would put even more emphasis on us getting further in the in the FA Cup as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, every season it seems like the top teams in particular uh, tend to play a weaker side in the third round, and, and Watford have been guilty of this too. But uh, if you look at the last few Man United squads for the third round, it's not actually been that weak at all. Um, they've they've used the reserve keeper Romero um, last season, and and obviously a lot of teams tend to use their reserve keeper in cup competitions now. But um, Solskjaer has tended to show the competition quite a lot of respect and. That's quite in contrary to what some fans think about the competition and its importance to United. Do you think that uh, he'll continue to, to show respect to Wayne and and, um, and play you know pretty pretty decent squad? Yeah, it's like Nick says. Really, you can't afford not to at the moment. A Manchester United manager, whoever he is, needs to get a trophy on the board, and certainly that's the case with Ollie at the moment. You mentioned that they've generally played a stronger squad than normal. I think it's the squad itself isn't as strong as you have seen in the past. So it looks like a you know it's a more senior squad than United used to playing because they're desperate to pick up a trophy at the moment. We do need to get over the line and get a trophy. Solskjaer needs one. He can't just be. It, sometimes it's um, it can be a noose around the manager's neck to sort of be close but not close enough. You know, like the semi-final. Um, there's a funny story that goes right back to the first time United and Watford played each other um, in the FA. Well, one of the first times they've played each other in the FA Cup um, with Wilf McGuinness. Wilf McGuinness in the seventies, uh, early seventies, known as a manager who got us to three semi-finals. And um, you know, and deemed as a failure. So Solskjaer has got to get over the line to that. He's got to take it seriously. And um, yeah, you can't. Obviously, Watford are doing well at the moment as well. So you can't afford to take any game lightly. Um, and, and certainly, that's the case this time round. Yeah, of course, it's no secret that the Champions League is probably the, the the minimum expectation for Manchester United. So I suppose if there was a competition to go, because you're already in the semi of of of, of the of the League Cup, that the FA Cup would be the one that would be seen with the less priority but um, it's understandable if the amount of money that can be on offer in, in the Champions League compared to that of the FA Cup yeah absolutely you're absolutely right with that um, it's the priority to get there but then we I could go off into veer into all this political territory with United where you know you talk about getting to the Champions League and then not backing the manager when he gets there but in terms of just winning a trophy Matt um, it's getting there and getting over the line and having something to show for his work because um, that's going to be a crucial thing. And I don't think that in terms of it being devalued, I think that there's still enough significance with the FA Cup that it would really be seen as a, a massive achievement for, for United. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that because um, they were talking about United and the league and De Gea is our only player that was the last, is, is still in the squad that won the league back <sighs> in 2013. Yeah. So you've got to change the culture, and that's what Ollie's trying to do is to improve that culture, get a winning mentality. If you get even just, well, say even just, but if they win the FA Cup, that's going to help with that. So the sooner they get one, the better, really. Yeah. Watford, after relegation, we're probably not expecting to play Man United again for at least this season. But as, as a fan, I can tell you, I'm eagerly looking looking forward to this one. Uh, I, I just love the FA Cup. I think it's fantastic. I follow it from, you know, the very beginnings when uh, when it starts with the extra, extra preliminary round. Uh, this season has been a little bit different uh, than, than usual. No replays and, um, uh, you know, in some cases, penalties straight away. But 
it's uh, it's going to be exciting still, particularly as uh, Watford get to play uh, a team who I, I always enjoy watching just because the, the transformation after in in every different manager for Man United, it feels like it's a whole new generation of of of, of players, and and it's interesting to see how how it goes underneath our leaders. I'm just wondering with the new stewardship of, of manager Chisco Manuf, who's, who's the new Watford manager, it's probably going to be a situation as well because. Watford are wanting to prioritise the league. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the cup is a bit of a distraction for for themselves. Have you been following Watford at all this season, Wayne? And and, and what do you think of the championship? They've been doing pretty well, haven't they? I mean, um, around those playoff spots, which I think is when you're a team who've gone down. Um, not that I, you know, fortunately touch wood, although we've had some bad runs of form. It's never got quite so bad that we would get relegated again, but. I do follow it, and I'm not as closely as a team who, a fan of a team who were there, obviously would. Um, but yeah, Watford have done well. They they sort of chance. It's interesting to me you say that they you're more likely to sort of rest the squad with the league in mind because there are a lot of games coming up. And Watford have got a decent record against United recently um, at Vicarage Road. So I know not all Trafford, but certainly at Vicarage Road, you've given us um, some runnings around. So. Um, and and the thing is, when you're in the sec- when you're in the lower tier, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, and hopefully it won't come across as that. When you're a team like Watford or a team from let's say the lower reaches, the sec the the lower half of the Premier League, being in the top half of the Championship can sometimes be a little bit better when it comes into when it comes into factoring cup games because you can get this positive run of form going. And it gives the momentum of feeling more positive for games like this. I know you've lost a couple of games um, recently, but you know you have done well overall this season. And because it's a free hit, you play with more liberation, more creativity, more freedom. And um, that's why I'm in. You know, expecting a good game. Uh, so funnily enough, I, I would say that that probably does play into United's hands a little bit more because. Um, we've tended to do better against teams who are more adventurous um, rather than teams who show up shop. So I don't know what what Watford's game plan is going to be. You could well frustrate us if you if you try to, but um, certainly, yeah, like I said, I think because of Watford's good form this season and the fact that you've said it's kind of like a bonus fixture, the the focus on the league. I think those things actually help Watford more than count against them in a way. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, both of the uh, the teams have uh, have more than just the, the fact that they've played each other in the FA Cup before as, as a link, and they, they've uh, they've got players that, that have previously played for each other as well. Uh, most notably at the minute, uh, the current loanee James Garner, who unfortunately is going to have to sit on the sidelines for this one because he can't play against his parent club. But one player that will be able to play in the game uh, for Manchester United is Odi Nigalo. Uh, if he is selected, he uh, obviously had a, a great uh, reputation at Watford when he was there, scoring bags of goals in the Premier League. Uh, and you, it's interesting you mentioned there, Wayne, uh, that uh, that game when um, Watford were playing at, at Old Trafford, and he, uh, he they nearly got the win there, didn't they, Watford? But uh, they missed so many opportunities, and a lot of that was down to uh, Odi Nogalo and his his, uh, his real strive and will to want to uh, put the ball in the back of the net rather than cross it over to Dini. What's Nogalo been like uh, at, at United? Is he uh, seen as um, a, a good player amongst the ranks, or is he more of a bit part player? How does he come across for you? Yeah, certainly now a bit part, and I, I say you know he started the um, his time at United very well. He because he obviously could not believe that he got the chance to play there. 
um, he was very um, enthusiastic about it. And in a funny way, the United crowd, when the crowd were there, everyone just sort of connected with him. It was so strange because he was a player that you wouldn't imagine would have ended up at United in a million years, the kind of signing that we would have made under Ron Atkinson, bluntly. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that it seemed like such a throwback to go back and get a player like that on loan. That um, you know this bit part veteran striker that's sort of going nowhere, but he comes to United for a bit of a resurgence, and he did very well. He sort of settled in. We liked his um, the different combative way of striking, the way that he tried to make himself more of a presence than Martial sometimes does, and it started really well. But then the lockdown came. And it completely changed everything for him because he became less of a an impact player. In that Solskjaer, as soon as the um, as soon as the the football resumed, Solskjaer had got this four two three one formation, and he rarely rotated it, and he rarely gave other players a chance in that. And Igalo suffered from that, and he never got that momentum back after the lockdown. Um, so he's going to be remembered as a bit part player and not a fondly, and not as fondly as he perhaps should have done, and he should have been given more of a chance. But you know, we've gone and brought in a player like Cavani, and he's obviously jumped ahead of him in the pecking order. Mm. So you've, we've seen very little of him, to be honest, since the um, resumption after lockdown. And, and I think he's suffered, his confidence has suffered. So when he has played, he, he sort of realised he's not going to get an impact. So it's not quite the same. And if I, maybe not having the fans there as well is, is another thing that's impacted him because he's just sort of going through the motions. Um, his loan's near the end, isn't it? So we're not mm. sure if he's actually going to figure against Watford. I hope that he does actually, because it'd be a nice way to sort of say goodbye and say thanks for for what he did. Because when he did come in and he's, he gave a contribution, it was needed at the time, and he and he certainly did very well. Scored a couple of cracking goals. One in the um, in the Europa League, fantastic goal. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to remember him fondly. He was quite um, an infectious kind of player probably the wrong time to turn a phrase in the middle of a pandemic certainly not in that way uh, but very very fond memories I'm going to have of him though he, you know he, he will be remembered as a bit part player yeah did you like him Nick? yeah I, I agree I think it was he he wanted to play for Man United which was just great at the time he was so excited to come and like what he said he had a great impact when he first came in the goal in the Europa League is one that I think every United fan will remember. Mm. Left foot, right foot, and then left foot back into the top corner was superb. It was a shame, I think it was behind closed doors that game. Mm. So no no one got to see it. No. Um, but it would be good if he got to play um, against Watford at the weekend to get his chance to say goodbye, even though the fans won't be there because he did help when he came in. Yeah, it's, but, quite, yeah. it's quite rare you get genuine fans who actually end up playing for the club they support, isn't it? I mean, it must have been a real thrill for him. Yeah, he, he, you could just see how excited he was, and he he wanted to play for Man United, which say was a big change over when Mourinho was there. A lot of people didn't want to play, and Oli brought him in because Rashford got injured and stuff, and he did have that positive impact. But like I said, as soon as lockdown happened, Rashford come back fit. We had our set formation, our set team, and that was it. Oli wasn't changing it. We was on a good little run until the till the end of the season. So. Yeah, why why change a winning team? Yeah, I remember I remember actually reading that uh, when he when he came to England, he he had a, a stadium tour of Man United. That's how much of a fan he was. He just wanted to have, to go around there and have a look at everything, and uh, and eventually yeah. he ended up playing there as well. So, dream come true for him. Um, yeah. a, another player who who we spoke about just recently, James Garner. He's currently on loan at, at Watford. He won't be able to feature in this one, like we mentioned. But uh, what's your opinion of him, Wayne? How do you think he's done so far for, for Watford? 
Yeah, he's a good player. He's a very difficult for a midfield player um, when they drop a division, when they're so highly rated. Um, certainly, he was very well thought of at Old Trafford. And I was thinking, you know, last season he would have got a chance because it didn't seem like they were, there was going to be an obvious um, breakthrough in terms of the players who were going to um, establish themselves there. Tomney was a little bit of a way off. Fred was nowhere at one point. Pogba was injured for most of the season. And you were thinking that there was an opportunity there um, for a player like Garner to come in and actually, you know, get some some proper game time. I'm not talking like just a few minutes in the Europa League. Um, so we would have liked to have seen him a little bit more at Old Trafford. I would say that, and I'm, I'm not sure if these loan spells help a player like him because um, because it's a tougher environment in the Championship. It can be a little bit congested in the middle of the park sometimes. Um, but I, I do worry sometimes that those loans do players more on than good. Um, I don't know. I just think that sometimes, because a player like it, Garner's going to be coming back now and there's going to be an established setup there, it's going to be that much harder to break in because you've not only got the four or five players that are in front of him, you, you also have the manager now settled on those players and also looking to how he's going to strengthen that and Garner's going to be quite down the the list of priorities when that comes into you know when it comes into considering how he's going to move on from that um I do like him as a player I think he's very classy on the ball um very in terms of what we've had from youth players in the past I think he's probably a step above that um in terms of you know how he can move the ball about so it's going to be a shame if um, he doesn't manage to kick on because of that sort of you know the way that the loan spell moved and and the time it fell in United's um, United's transition basically might it might be a bit who suffers from that mm. um, but I do like him I like him a lot um, in terms of how he ranks in in the the younger players I would have thought that there was probably more talk about him outside of the first team than there was about Rashford before he broke through. Um, so he, that shows how highly he was regarded. Um, so yeah, I, I do like him a lot. I'm just not sure if if it's going to line up for him to to make an impact at United. Well, what I do enjoy uh, going into Manchester United and, and, and taking a punt on a, a couple of loans. And in the past, they've uh, they've had several successes, and and even those players have ended up playing for Watford permanently. In fact, three in the squad currently, in the likes of Ben Foster. Tom Cleverley and Craig Cathcart, probably names that you uh, you will remember fondly. Uh, ben Foster and Cleverley in particular had quite a bit of game time uh, at, at Manchester United. Uh, what, what do you think of, the, of those guys, Nick? And um, do you think that they, uh, you know, a better career for them at Manchester United had things gone differently for them? Yeah, I think Ben Foster is probably the the main one out of those three who could have been our number one for quite some time. You know, you've really got to look at what he's doing at Watford now. I think he's 38 now and he's still probably the best goalie in the championship, probably better than some goalies in the Premier League. Like It's unbelievable what he manages to achieve. And I remember Tom, Tom Cleverley as well was uh, on loan at Wigan and everyone was saying, you know, he's going to be the one that's going to change our season. When he comes back, he's going to be brilliant. And sadly, when he did, he just never really kicked on for him. But he was a good pass for the ball like James Garner. I think it's good to have him next to next to him in the team. Um, obviously, Craig Cathcart didn't really feature for United, so went to other places, didn't he, really? Yeah. How about you? How about yourself, Wayne? What do you think of those guys? Yeah, Foster. In terms of talent, I think Nick's right. But in terms of how we fit in with United, he's always spoken quite 
ill of United since he left for some reason. Um, he had a couple of chances in the first team when Van der Sar was injured. Remember the the four three game against City, he played in that one, and he made a couple of ricks. And I remember thinking, he's one of those goalkeepers that is really good, a little bit like Shea Given that you know they're excellent as goalkeepers, but maybe just not for the top level. Um, so he's certainly, you know, don't get me wrong, he's shot stopping, he's excellent. Um, he, he's one of the best at that. Um, cleverly, yeah, I kind of agree again with Nick. He, he came back from his loan. He did really well for a little period of time. In fact, the period of football where we played our best under Ferguson in the last sort of four years was the start of the 11-12 season, where the two unlikeliest names that you would pick out of a heart cleverly and Anderson were running <laughs> midfield for us they, eight to against Arsenal um, was actually orchestrated by those two in midfield running right and then the next game we won 5-0 at Bolton and cleverly picked up an injury and his entire career from that moment on the momentum completely went um, out, out of him and unfortunate at the time because he was doing so well he'd sort of got those ideas of oh, I'm going to do a brand you know like Beckham and Rooney kind of thing and a lot of people thought he got ideas above his station I just thought it was a natural thing for a young player like that to do but he did it and then he got his injury and he found it so difficult to get back in mm. that like he, he reflected badly on him because it made him look like he had ideas above his station and he was his reputation suffered from that to be fair um, his, his performances got him into the England side so he was clearly yeah. doing something right oh he's a great player he's, a, he's very good side. he's funny because he started off as a fullback and um, he, he he actually his ability on the ball was what moved him further forward into the side um you know and then you know obviously became this scheming midfielder um i think he was alone at leicester as well so where he did that he, you know he became sort of like this attacking midfielder and he's like oh okay and he looked really good in that position for us for like i say for a while so um in terms of his ability and his link-up play as long as you're not relying on him to be the sort of Iniesta who's going to scheme everything for you but he's the man who might knit things together I still think that he's probably got a fair bit about that about him because that's just basic football intelligence which he's very good at um, I do have a lot of time for Tom Cleverley and I do wish it had worked out for him um, Cathcart, yeah, didn't really get a, a much of a chance but it was even Gerard Piquet didn't get a chance against um, <laughs> Ferdinand and Vidic did he so he's yeah. not going to hold that against him Cathcart's had a good career, he's one of like Dozens of players who've come through that United youth system who've had good, uh, fantastic league careers. So, um, you know, fair play to him for that. Yeah. Some great battles between the two sides in this competition over the years. They last met back in 2007 in a semi-final, a game that finished 4-1. Do you remember that one at all, Nick? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, Wayne, Wayne, I'm sure you remember it. Yeah, I do. Um, I remember Alan Smith playing in it. He'd just come yeah. back from a leg injury. Um, I, I, I seem to remember, well, this isn't um, um, extraordinary by any means um, for a United game, but I remember Watford being upset about a refereeing decision. I'm not I'm not quite sure what that was. Um, but uh, I know Rooney played very well in that game. Um, but Watford, I know that they started very well. They gave us a little bit of an upset at first. Um, but um, in the end, I think it was one of those where we, we won quite handsomely. Watford ran out of steam in the end, but the you know, scoreline flattered us a lot on that day. Um, but yeah... Um, I do remember it. Um, do you remember the goal that, scorers? I, I've got to go with Rooney. Um, yeah, he was there. And definitely Ronaldo. He's yep. going to score one. 
and I'll have, there'll be no chance of the others. Uh, but I do remember Watford's goal being good. Yes, um, it was fantastic. It was a great <laughs> well, obviously it was good for you. But <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean it's uh, aesthetically anyway, pleasing let me as well. Yeah. It was a bicycle kick from Hamburgerantzer, <laughs> right, okay. and. Um, it gave us belief at that point. So I think it, I think that made it one one. And at that point, it it, it gave us the, the the belief that we could get back into the game. And and back then, it was a very different Watford side. It wasn't the sort of post Premier League Watford side that that we are now. It, feeling like we should maybe get back to the Premier League. It was it was a team that felt um, a bit humbled to be in the Premier League at the, at the time and, and um, was certainly languishing at the bottom and were never really having a hope of, of, of staying up. So it was, it, was, it was a great moment to get to the semi-final that year. And, and um, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those games that we, we didn't quite manage to, uh, to, to really grab hold of it, but we were playing against, like you say, the likes of, of Ronaldo and Rooney at, at his prime as well. And uh, one of the other goal scorers, Richardson, you probably don't remember that, but he's Kiki scored- and Richardson. Yeah. Do you know what, what was... What was funny about that game is that um, the week before we'd played Roma and we beat them 7-1 and that was the great awakening of this last great Manchester United side under Fergie with Rooney and Ronaldo playing so well. And um, it'd been a 4-2-3-1 with Alan Smith up top and and Smith obviously played in this one. That's why I remember like uh, Smith vividly in this one because you were thinking, oh, he's going to be United's leading striker for a bit. He'd come in as a striker. Then Wayne Rooney came in and got all the headlines off him, and Smith ended up moving back into defensive midfield. Got his terrible leg injury came back as a striker again and then played so well against Roma and then he played well in this game and then obviously didn't quite go so well for him in the in the Watford game so like maybe maybe he won't be the striker that we wanted him to be but yeah I, I do remember that in Watford certainly but he deserved better than 4-1 I'd say that and can you name the striker that came on for a few minutes at the end of the game oh it's got to be Solskjaer isn't it? it is it's only got to Solskjaer the current, <laughs> got to be. the current Man United manager so isn't that interesting? And he's uh, he's now uh, involved with the club in some way. The next time that the, the two teams are playing each other in the FA Cup, <laughs> um, the one before that though, it was way back in the eighties though. In nineteen eighty two, the FA Cup game between Watford and United it, that finished with a Watford victory in the third round, with a one nil finish from Jan Lohmann scoring that only goal for for, for them. I I, I mean I, I don't want to 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 say you do remember it, but do you have any recollection? No, um, because I was born in 81, so I don't remember that, um, you know, myself. But I have done a lot of work over that period. I, I literally last year released a book on the late 70s and early 80s, so Ron Atkinson's reign. Um, so that was, yeah, it was a big disappointment for United because Atkinson needed a trophy desperately to, to um, you know, basically make a name for himself for United. You know, that was a glory time for English football, wasn't it? You had all these different clubs winning the European Cup. United had sights Tommy Doherty and was sort of des- and then Dave Sexton. It was like we're desperately trying to be in that group of clubs. So um whenever we lost in the FA Cup, particularly to a side who would you know normally be unfancied, it was massive news. Um funnily enough we lost against Watford and I think like the following year for- Atkinson must have had a bit of a hairdryer to them because we we won the competition the next year. So um, I'm not saying that I want to lose to you guys on on the weekend, but if we do, maybe it's a good omen for winning it next year. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's it. Uh, Watford are going to win the, on 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 Saturday. Well, I, I hope so. But uh, anyway, 
Um, actually, I, I, obviously, I, I, I was also not born for that game, but I was at the the last one, the uh, the two thousand and seven one, uh, a game that was played at Villa Park back in the days when uh, at semi-finals we played at neutral grounds. That's one of the things about the FA Cup that I really miss is the fact that semi-finals were played at, at neutral grounds. Uh, and I've got a feeling, Wayne, that you 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 also uh, wish that that was the case. Yeah, we had three games at Villa Park every year. We had the third round tie that was always at Villa Park, <laughs> then the semi-final that was at Villa Park, and then you know obviously the league game that was on Villa Park as well. It seemed like we always got Villa in the third round at Villa Park. So, um, or at some point we would always be Villa in the cup at Villa Park. So, and then obviously, um, if you got the replay, Arsenal we had. Um, in fact, the eight ninety-eight ninety-nine side. Or 99 or something we must have played like five times at Villa Park you know because we lost in the League Cup there we had a replay there against Arsenal so yeah um, I, I share your thoughts on, on that you know take it away from Wembley put it back at one of the traditional grounds even like grounds like Hillsborough you know that used to always have the, the mm. semi-finals I know that Hillsborough everyone will say oh Hillsborough but even after the disaster Hillsborough you know houses a lot of semi-finals and they did great um so it'd be good to get some of those grounds getting the um the semi-finals again because I mean that's um, tradition, isn't it? It's good to see a ground like Vicarage Road that's still uh, an old ground and not you know an identical stadium. Mm. And um you know I'm not saying it. Obviously, playing in semi-finals great at any time. You wouldn't um you wouldn't sniff at it, but it's just something better about the neutral venues for me, and particularly Villa Park. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. What do you think? Do you, do you think your semi-finals in the FA Cup should be played at a neutral ground? Yeah, I could completely agree. It's it almost cheapens the Wembley experience, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. we, we got to go for the semi-final, not not the final. So, you know, talking about Villa Park, I remember watching the United Arsenal game. It was like one of our greatest ever games in our history, and it wasn't even mm. at Old Trafford. Like it's just it was a great game, great atmosphere. You know, it should easily go back to. A, to other venues around the country easier for fans when when the Manchester clubs meet and they've all got to come down to London it should be somewhere up north or at least in the middle it be, shouldn't it yeah well I say if it's both Manchester clubs like, like Hillsborough or something like that go, go up to Newcastle somewhere just a bit closer make it easier for the fans rather yeah. than all this travelling around just to, to come down to London every time OK, then, guys, well, let's go uh, back to this fixture then um, let, we talked a little bit earlier about, about what sort of side we might we might expect um from united but um in terms of strength but what do you think in terms of lineup do you, do you think it'll be very different to the team they put out tonight uh, for, for the for the semi-final in, in the league cup or do you think it'll be more similar to, to the to the team that was previously in the premier league um i think no i think they'll they'll use the opportunity to to rotate because it's a busy old month isn't it so mm. it's is the with with all due respect, it's the obvious fixture in the calendar to to make those changes if you can. So they're going to be a few a few players rotated. Having said that, United for the first time in in many years are now operating a system whereby players are having to force their way into the team rather than you know form dictating it the other way around. You know you're saying when is that player going to get dropped? Now it's a player having to play well to get into the side. And um, you know, so it's not necessarily a bad thing that there's going to be a rotation because it's going to give players a chance to to prove um, the the case. Really, the midfield is a, an obvious place for that. Um, so, and like I said, I think Watford, whatever they do in terms of the way that they line up, I still think that Watford will probably see it as a bit of a free game. So they're going to be a bit more carefree with the approach, and that'll play into United's hands. If you 
observed anything from the last two games at Old Trafford, he saw Wolves come unapologetically shutting up shop and that made it very difficult for United to, to break through. And I think even a Watford defence who tried to do that could make life difficult for United. But if they come and have a go um, or try and play more, a more liberated way in the, the way that Leeds or Villa did, the United obviously have a lot of joy on the counter-attack with that. Um, they're still a counter-attacking team no matter who they play against. Um, and, you know, I've got to say that I enjoy that from United. I don't necessarily see that as a negative tactic. I think it's one of the, the good old marks of United. Um, so, I, United, you always know what you're going to get from them in terms of um, what they can do and what they can't do. It all depends on what the opponent do, really. And um, Watford kind of hold the key for that. Um, and, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that you're going to come up and shut up shop and try and actually get through the tie? Or do you think you're going to see as that free hit? doesn't really matter if you go through or not. I think it's more of the free hit because I, I feel like the, the pressure is on the manager to make sure that, that he does the job in the league and and the FA Cup probably isn't a priority. As, as disheartening as it is to say that, um, I, I feel like that's that's the case. And to be fair, if, if they end up getting promotion, then they'll have proved me right. So... You know that that's that's the way that that goes, isn't it? But um, I'd love them to play the strongest side that they can and and to really have a good go at it. And with the likes of Ismaili Assar in the side, who you know, I mean, has even been tipped be signed for for by yeah. United. Uh, I mean, we, you know, Watford have got some real quality, and and they could they could certainly provide a shock. I mean, what, what's your opinion of Ismaili Assar? Yeah, I like him. I, I I like him as a player for Watford. Don't get me wrong. Again, this, I don't want it to sound disrespectful, but when we were linked with him at the back end of the window, it was. Like, oh, is that really what we're doing now? And that wasn't so much sore. It was like, all right, if you wanted him, target him at the start of the window. At the end, it looked like we were really scrabbling around for names. Um, and I think that does him a bit of a disservice, really. I do like him. He, he does have a. He's certainly one of those standout names that you think ought to be Premier League. And like I said, he's, he's a danger man um, that we need to be looking out for. Nick? Uh, I agree with about Saar. I think um, he's the one we've got to watch out for. I was going to ask you, do you not think with no replays, it's the chance for Watford to have a go and win on penalties? Well, I mean, um, if, if they can hold if they can hold off, um, you know, for, for play some defensive... The thing is that the new the new man, uh, Manuf, is, is a lot more attacking than the previous guy, Ivic. Ivic would certainly have probably played more of a defensive game and, and maybe tried to win it on the penalties. I, I mean, I feel like uh, Manuf will... Mix it around a bit, maybe maybe give this a, an opportunity to see what kind of players he has to at his disposal because he he's quite new in the job. It's only it only be his, his third match, and it's an opportunity for him to maybe try things out. And I, I feel like that might be the way he goes. And, and if that's the case, he'll be trying to play more of an attacking game than than a defensive one. And and, and you know maybe that will lend into being caught out of the back if, if they if they push too far forward. But it's, it, it really is complete speculation, isn't it? I've got no idea what he's going to do. And <laughs> it'll be interesting to see to see, and, and I'm looking forward to watching it. And I guess uh, I guess the, the the television peoples have decided it's going to be an interesting one as well because they've picked it for one of their televised matches, and it's going to be on uh, BT Sport, I think, at eight o'clock. So uh, I'll be tuning into that one. Yeah, what everyone yeah. wants: cup final tradition, eight p.m. on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, OK, well, that's the end of this bonus opposition focus episode. My thanks to Nick Pinnock and Wayne Barson for joining me to discuss this one. They can be found on Twitter at Wayne S. Barton and at any SP Golf Tuition. Wayne, uh, you've got several books out at the minute, including one about England legend David Beckham, I see. 
Yes, that was my last release, came out in September. Um, funnily enough, I, I didn't know this when I was writing it, but it's the first full biography of his career, you know, his complete career, taking into um, account the, the US and everything like that as well. Um, yeah, really interesting to work on that. Um talked to a lot of people that he worked with at LA Galaxy, as well as, you know, obviously people throughout his career. But I was very interested in, in his impact in America, so... Yeah, it's interesting to work on. Beckham, one of my favourite players growing up, so um, always fun to sort of relive some of my adolescence as well. And that's available on Amazon and other places, I imagine. Yeah, all good bookstores. All, all bookstores worth visiting. Will, uh, have that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can indeed visit any bookstore at the minute. Which, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Which I think yeah. you probably can't, but no. um, Amazon it's certainly available there. And Nick, uh, golf tuition, uh, obviously not really taking place at the minute due to lockdown, but I'm sure it'll be back. And when it is back, people will be a little bit rusty, I imagine. So where, where can they get some good golf tuition, Nick? Yeah, so I base at Panzangra in Welling Garden City. Um, we'll be hopefully back on the 15th of February. I think it's when Boris said we we're going to be allowed out. Well, we'll wait and see. But yeah, lessons are available seven days a week. Good stuff. Well, thanks again for listening to this bonus opposition focus episode. Normal programming will resume after the United game to chat about how Watford did, and hopefully it'll be a win that we can talk about. But uh, yeah, so if you've not enjoyed the United podcast uh, focus, I'm sorry about that, but um, we do it often. We, we, we do always chat about the opposition uh, when we can, and uh, I always enjoy finding out what the opposition have to say because it's interesting stuff well from nick from wayne and from myself it's been the watford buzz podcast and it's goodbye from me hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.